Welcome to the Arrest or Mimics podcast with your host Ben Talon. Hello and welcome to Arrest or Mimics. My name is Ben Talon. I am your host. This is the Original Thinking and Creative Innovation podcast. How are you all doing? Uh, I'm really sorry we didn't have an episode last week. Uh, I needed a holiday, to be honest. I do this every year. I kind of go balls out, completely like passionate, fired up, doing loads of new projects, juggling way more than I'm capable of doing. And then I need a break. And I think when you're obsessed with what you do or you're super passionate about it, this is what tends to happen. So that's what I did. So I went away to Spain for a week. And I'm really sorry um, for anyone that didn't see on the Twitter or the social media links that that I was doing that. So we all need that little break. And I'm coming back and I'm feeling pretty good. So coming straight into this new episode, um, today's guest is Rod Hunt. He's a bit of an illustration master and he's been around for nearly 20 years in the industry. So you'll know Rod's work. It's a real iconic kind of isometric, um, three-dimensional view. He does maps. He does the iconic Wes Stig illustrations for Top Gear. Brought out the book, which was uh, huge and really successful. And Rod is really protective and a real champion of the illustration business, um, having been the chairman of the AOI, the Association of Illustrators, for almost three years. Uh, For anyone that doesn't know, of course, the the Association of Illustrators are the... They're the kind of almost a union for illustration would be, would be one way of describing it. They, um, if you're a member, you have ready access to, you know, contract advice, um, disputes on fees, uh, pricing work, all the things that you need to encounter as an illustrator, basically. And they're great. They work closely with all the agents. And so Rod worked with them, I think, in total for about nine years. So he is really protective of the industry and and really cares and always you know talks. He's involved with the Icon Conference in America. So we're going to go through all that stuff. Uh, but first of all, I would like to thank the sponsors for the show. Um, as ever, founding sponsors, Illustration Limited. Check out the website. The, real, the new site is really cool now with a random uh, kind of roll over the artist names and get a quick flash of all their portfolios they're the, the biggest agency in the world i do believe and always expanding um almost 200 artists now illustrators animators um live painters really cool guys check them out illustrationweb.com always really pivotal supporters of the show they help me get it off the ground in the first place and they give me free reign to to do as i will to make the show cool for you guys um and heart internet of course Every episode, Hart, bring us an SEO, social media, or a kind of tech tip that's going to be of use for us all because we all need to use social and get our websites up in the rankings because it's crucial to a modern business in the digital revolution. Uh, Check them out at heartinternet.co.uk. And today's tip is about tracking your competition. So this is not about following them down the street and and they're kind of looking through their kitchen window and anything dodgy like that. (laughs) This is... um, this is about looking at how they, you know, what methods they're using to market themselves. How are they being mentioned? How are they being talked about? Are they receiving reviews? If so, are they good, bad, and why? So Google Alerts apparently is the most basic, but a really cool and reliable tool. Google.com forward slash alerts, and you can set up kind of trackers for your competition's name, so you can see when the you know a certain review pops up, or if they're in the press putting out a press release. Really cool, kind of just a nice casual way of keeping an eye on how people are doing business and how you can kind of adapt yourself and do your own thing of course but 
you know, looking at little methods and, and, and kind of finding out what works best for you. So check that out. Really worthwhile doing. Uh, thanks to Heart Internet for that support as ever. Um, and really delighted to announce a third sponsor for the show, um, Printed.com. And once again, as I've said before, I, I won't kind of sit here and reel off marketing jargon for you guys because I know that's not what anyone wants to hear. I certainly don't want to hear that when I listen to podcasts. So... The idea was that I'd use these guys several times off the back of a recommendation. I don't often get things printed, so actually I was a bit in the dark when it came to finding a good printer. Luckily for me, my girlfriend is a graphic designer, and she recommended Printed.com from personal experience. So I use them, and I have not been let down since with the quality. I use the recycled stock because I get really kind of guilty about um, you know the environmental side of things and the moral side of things. So it's really cool. It came out really well. I love a matte finish because of the way my ink sits. If you know my illustration style, you'll know what I'm talking about. And the products have been really good. And actually, in one incident, the courier turned up like a day late and I was fuming. And so, you know, I got on all angry customer on the message into printed.com and they had me diffused inside, you know, five minutes. Really good customer services, really good set of guys. So I found myself um, chatting to a few students um, at various universities that I've become friends with. And they were asking for recommendations on printers, so I passed on you know, the knowledge. And I said, look, even when they mess things up, they're really compensated, they're really good quality, worth using. And I thought, hang on, why am I not having that conversation in their office? So I went to see them the week before my holiday, and they were delighted to hear about the show, that, that I was interested and thought they could bring something for you guys that was worthwhile. And it turns out they, they really believe in the arts and want to help support that. And they wanted to get on board with, with all you guys and let you kind of know about what they're doing. They're, you know, they've got all the basics in place. A uh, really nice online print website. Uh, over 90 different products, I believe. Um, all the different finishes, sizes, stocks, as you can imagine, uh, any self-respecting printer would have. Uh, and of course, you get to stay in creative control of all your designs and illustrations right through to the physical print. So obviously, check them out at printed.com. So... Long story short, we came up with this idea that we would we would share a cool print story every uh, every episode. You know, whether it's someone doing something really interesting for their own business PR in the arts, um, a cool print campaign, a story where it's it's kind of gotten them an advantage. It's just interesting stuff. So let me know your thoughts on that. Um, I don't want anyone to feel like we're kind of selling you know selling off the show bit by bit. To the contrary, the the plan with uh, founding sponsor Illustration Limited was always to find a, a really nice complementary group of sponsors who could not only work to support the show but you know would actually benefit one another too. Uh, and Printed.com were right on board with that. So that brings me up to today's guest, Rod Hunt, who told me you know he puts about ten percent of his revenue back into his own marketing, and he does. Uh, extensive worldwide print campaigns because he just believes as he'll talk about later on in the show that it goes a little further than digital and you know people are going to open your package when you send it in the mail with your book and whatever else it is so it makes a lot of sense and last week rod told me that he sent one of his books over to property week magazine and within 20 minutes of the art director picking up the book of his desk he had a commission so let that be a little lesson. That's this week's show, and I think the I think the message there is just that when you can pick it up and kind of feel the product and see how it sits, and you can also see the professionalism behind the fact that someone's gone and done this, and you know put the money into getting printing done, and 
taking it more seriously and then taking the personal touch of sending it directly to a person rather than a massive blanket email, I think it goes a lot further. And we'll be discussing that extensively later in today's show, so listen out for that and thanks to Printed.com who I'm absolutely delighted to have on board. It's really, really awesome, and it means that we can continue doing this show for free every week now and and start to promote more and more and share it out there. So do us a favour, guys. If you're loving what we're doing still, then you know, go and tell a mate. Share it in a Facebook group. Um, Tell your mum and dad. Whatever it is, you know, it's really, really valuable. So thanks ever so much for helping get us to a position where we can even attract sponsors. It's really special. And for me as an illustrator, it's it's an amazing outlet for me to just go and sit in cool people's studios and find out these amazing stories and then bring them to a wider audience who can learn because I think people's experiences, the ultimate way to, uh, experiences are the ultimate way to learn. So thanks once again to all those guys, Heart Internet, Illustration Limited, and of course, new guys, printed.com. Welcome on board. Um, so on to Rod. Brilliant, brilliant illustrator, technically proficient, who who not a lot of people know, started with a real organic process and then gradually as time went by, moved into digital. Rod's going to tell us all about that. We're going to talk about everything that you need to know as an illustrator. We're going to talk about marketing. We're going to talk about Rod's experiences in that world. Um, the importance of you know people like the AOI, all the conferences, the networking, the things that he's involved with. We're going to talk about Rod's fantastic first commission in 1995, which I'm not going to spoil right now, but it's hilarious, and it came from a very ambitious trip to Hello Magazine, that's all I'm going to say. You cannot imagine Rod Hunt's work in Hello Magazine, but there you go, really good story to come, so listen out for that later on. We're going to talk about how destructive trends are, if you you know get lost in the shadows of them, you do not have your identity, and then you get swept away when the trends change, so we're going to discuss that and how Rod has stayed at the top for nearly 20 years now by moving completely away from trends and doing his own thing and how you can do that too. Uh, We're going to talk about how he made his first steps into the industry back in a time when he was at the mercy of couriers for sending work. You know, it was more about the face-to-face relationships and phone calls because we didn't have the internet um, and it was only just beginning back then. So really exciting stuff. You're not going to find a better insight into the illustration industry than Rod Hunt. Um, So I walk two corridors down to Rod's studio uh, at Second Floor Studios and Arts by the Thames Barrier um, to have a really great breakdown of our industry. So it's Illustrator to Illustrator. It's a top conversation, and I hope you take a lot from it. Let us know what you think of Rod's work and and what he's got to say at Arrest on the Mix on Twitter, facebook.com forward slash arrest on the mix, and arrest on the mix at gmail.com. Really, really good chat. Uh, I hope you enjoy it. And keep us posted what you make of it where are you from originally Rod? Uh, originally I'm from Dorset a place called Bridport where you might know from Broadchurch is oh yeah, yeah. So, we're very uh, famous yeah so um, <laughs> yeah no, from, from, so from deepest darkest rural Dorset yeah and what's your sort of were you a creative kid or is that something you found later on uh, yeah, I mean, I was always drawing when I was a kid, so mostly comic-inspired stuff, obviously, that what really sort of got me, my creative juices going, going you know, yeah. reading 2000 AD mainly as a kid from since I was like five years old. Mm. Yeah, I'm not, I can't claim to be a sort of a knowledgeable comic book fan, but I did go through a good few, three, four years when I was younger, going to like Leeds Met comic fairs and things, and buying, you know, saving up three weeks pocket money to buy one individual <laughs> that foil card and all that stuff and it's just it is a world that sucks you in and I still love it I can't claim to be knowledgeable but I do um, have a lot of friends who are really deep into it and can tell you absolutely anything yeah I'm not I mean I'm not quite the sort of (laughs) 
full on comics yeah. nerd, but um, you know, I still read 2000 AD today. Try to keep up with it in between doing stuff. Yeah. Though, the, it's the main problem, you know. Have you done any stuff, any comic book stuff yourself? Um, you? Not particularly. I mean, I did do a few sort of self initiated comics a while back, but um, it's not really my forte, I guess. Yeah. Sequential yeah. narrative, I suppose. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, a lot of my friends are comic artists I went to art college with. So people like Boo Cook, who works with Image Comics on Elephant Men and stuff. So he's okay, yeah. I was at art college with him. That's cool. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's just one of those things. I kind of like, it, it got me going. It was, yeah. but I, when I went to art college, to a foundation, you know, um, and then my degree, I thought I found a wider world. So. Yeah. It's often the way, isn't it? It was the same thing with me, really, actually. And, I would be quite interested at some point to see how my work would, would sit within that world, but I've never really thought about that seriously. So, did you? Um, what did, did you? Where did you study? Um, I was the Cambridge School of Arts, yeah. at, uh, which is now at Anglia Ruskin University. But I think it went through about three name changes while I was there. It was yeah, Anglia Polytechnic University, Anglia Polytechnic, Anglia Polytechnic University, Anglia. No, what was it? Anglia, I can't remember what it is. And now it's now it's Anglia Ruskin University. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and did you uh, did you sort of specialise in illustration or was that something um, you just Yeah, it was, a, it was a BA illustration course. I mean, it was originally I started off as an HND and then it changed over okay, for yeah, the third yeah. year, which became a full degree. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, before, before that I did a foundation at Bournemouth and Poole College of Art and Design. Yeah. Did you have like? Did you do you have a? Did you have an idea of where you wanted to go, or was it just? I mean, I went through a BTEC in graphic design, and you know, you were encouraged to try everything. And at that point, I really didn't know what I would like to do out of all of it. But actually, it was always the love of drawing that stayed with me personally. Yeah, I mean, I went to art college because I wanted to be an illustrator. Um, but the foundation at the end of the first term, so you didn't go in your specialism. It was. The other thing that was always really strong on with me was uh, sculpture and 3D. So mm. I was doing a lot of sculptural stuff and I almost decided to change tack and go to do a, a sculpture degree. Mm. Um, but I don't know, it kind of like, it was like, I come here to do one thing and I'm going to go off and <laughs> shall, yeah. I, shall I, shall I, it was just too much of a step for me to yeah. decide to do that in the end. But saying that, I did spend, I did come back to it many years later um, when originally my work was all painted and then I was looking for a way to I need to reinvent my work I was mm. got to the point where I knew things had to change and then I kind of got I was doing some sculptural 3D model making illustrations which I just put in my portfolio for the hell of it this was about 2000 I guess mm. and you know and I put that in I went to see Gary Phillips who was the creative director of The Observer at the time and he said, oh, I was looking for my portfolio. And he, yeah, he kind of liked my illustration work, but he didn't really, you could tell he wasn't quite grabbed, enough, you know, feel overly grabbed, I think. Yeah. And like, um, well, he did give me some illustration work as well. But And he was looking through and he came across the model-making stuff and he said, oh, that's very interesting, Rod. Oh, can you make people who can look like people? And they <laughs> said, well, of course I can, having never done that in my life. Yeah. So <laughs> he said, got... give, me a, give me a call after Christmas. And he just said, and so I did, and he... He said, make me Gordon Brown for the front cover of the budget edition of the G2 section oh, okay. of the newspaper. Yeah. So then I made Gordon Brown and the front cover of 
you know, the front of number 11 Downing Street, yeah. which is all shot, and then was in the budget issue of the... Wow, so you said, I never knew that, I didn't know that you used to... Not many people know that. No, um, no. You know, not many people have seen my painted work or my model-making work, yeah. so... So, so you would do, when you say painted work, are we talking about the current style, but just hand-painted? Uh, kind of, yeah. yeah. I mean, I, you know, obviously, you know, a lot of my work involves sort of isometric perspective, and I've been doing that since my art college days. Yeah. Um, so it's not... You know, the whole idea of pixel art didn't really quite exist. And, then, yeah. and I'm not really pixel art if you really want to be technical about it because I'm, it's all vector-based. But, yeah. um, but, you know, I'm always I'm talking about in that sphere quite a lot, I yeah. suppose. Um, so, I've, well, yeah, I was always used to work with fat hogs hair brushes and acrylic paint on paper. Wow. And then the brushes got smaller and smaller as I went along over the years. Yeah. Um, so, but yeah, again, you know, not many people have, really aware that how my work was all painted up until about 2001 early wow. 2001 I That's just fascinating. stopped it stopped and you know, yeah. completely went over to working illustrator yeah well is that a gradual thing did you did you start to sort of just play with that idea to begin and then it was just yeah something that you it felt took me comfortable. quite a while to you know because painting and working illustrator are two very different things yeah um you know yeah um but I purposefully chose Illustrator to make me change because mm. I found I started working with Photoshop originally I ended up trying to paint with Photoshop and just like that's not what I want to do yeah you know I'm, I'm just trying to rep, I'm just ending up replicating what I was doing yes. which is what I'm trying to get away was trying to move beyond mm. do you know that you're aware of Kevin Howe's work yeah Kevin taught me at university in Preston lovely lovely guy and very very talented and he went he, I, I believe he went through a similar shift I remember mm. looking at some of his older work that was fantastic hand painted stuff all actually quite there's a lot of robot content in both of your work <laughs> <laughs> yeah I know and, his work I remember his painted work quite well yeah and then he fun. made a similar shift into yeah. Illustrator and, and, and some of the stuff's combined between hand and digital but yeah it's made a similar transition which is really interesting yeah I mean I guess that you know um, that computers became more affordable you know the internet came along I mean you know when I started out the internet really didn't exist mm. in, in any meaningful sense for everyday people um, so you know when I graduated in 96 94 sorry you know I spent two years working on a portfolio I was living in Nottingham so I'd come to London on a book every few months then yeah. with some friends skip on their floor go and take my book around and then go yeah. back to Nottingham and not wait for the phone not to ring yeah um, so um, yeah um, but then eventually the phone did start ringing yeah so and it's uh, the best feeling isn't it when the, the those first few when it suddenly it's a bit it's real this could happen it's, it's like, a, oh my god it's a real commission somebody's giving me yeah. money to paint something god you know, yes yeah, I, I panicked so much like the, the first one as I mentioned where I went Saturday comes was my first one and the it called and I'd never been called by a London number before I was impressed at the time and I remember just looking at my phone and, and uh, Danny Allison was sat over a partition in the same studio and going shit it's a, it's a, it's a London number what, do you reckon it might be well answer it you won't know like <laughs> <laughs> and I did and I was just like shaking throughout the whole conversation well, and, my, my first know. ever paid paid editorial commission was for a magazine called Four Women which was a women's erotic magazine oh wow what a star um, <laughs> uh, so that would be 95 so obviously you know didn't really have mobiles really then unless you were a yuppie and had one of those big brick sized <laughs> yeah. ones um, yeah. so and I remember like yeah, I was in London I'd gone to see um, 
that was part of the Northern and Shell group. So I ended up seeing Hello. Is it Hello or OK? I think it's Hello was part of them. I just ended up seeing some of the magazines there and then Hello and then... I mean, Hello would never have used my work anyway, yeah. but he was really nice. And then he'd pass my work on I, to somebody else. Yeah. In, and then I'd left my number of the pe- friends I was staying with, and then I got back, and then there was, like, a phone message that I had to ring him back, just, and they gave me a commission. So he hadn't even... And I came back, went back in, and he gave, you know, yeah. showed my portfolio, and he gave me a brief there and then. So, so this was somebody passed yeah, pass pass my details. It just goes to show, doesn't it, why you should never overlook. Even if someone at face value is not in your world or yeah. you don't see them as a potential connection, you just don't know who they know or who they who's know in exactly. their world. You so, know. You, know, you know, recommendations are always very mm. good. So, But that was my, anyway, it was uh, it was a fiction article about the spirit of the Cernabus giant, the, the stone, um, chalk giant in Dorset. Wow. Um, having... Uh, relations uh, with a, a young lady. It was, uh, yeah. Could only get better after that. That's I fantastic think. introduction to so, the illustration. That's, that's but then great. it was, and then, you know, a few months later, the next commission was for New Statesman, so, um, yeah. which is somewhat more more of my liking, I suppose. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, you know, it's all, all good learning on the job. So. Yeah, of course. As we, yeah, you it's are. all experience. It in, really is, and it's all valuable stuff. So, so I, well, I guess then you would have delivered your jobs. In a in a totally different way. I mean, they, well, we yeah, couldn't send I mean, an email back then. So, well, no, exactly. I mean, it was always, you know, everything started with a phone call. Probably would be a phone call from the client saying, "Hey, can you do the job?" Or I would be, if I was out, there'd be the answer phone. So when I get back in again, there's a yeah. message in the, on the answer phone. I ring them back, you know, and eventually, sometimes, time you get got back to it said oh no we've already farmed it out to somebody else because you didn't ring me inside three hours because yeah. you know maybe I was out of a portfolio meeting or something so occasionally you'd lose jobs because somebody just couldn't wait for you I guess it's more urgency in that respect and you know that you couldn't just send out another a blanket lot of emails it's just you had to you had to make sure someone had ample time to go through what would have been a longer winded process well yes I mean I think that's the one thing about digital is that it's probably shortened deadlines to a lot of extent because you know you had to build in the fact that like you had to deliver artwork you know you know, that might be overnight by royal mail special delivery or you know couriers which yeah. are the bane of my life so, yeah. <laughs> um, um but yeah but before that though you know because obviously you know you get the call from the client they'd fax so fax you a brief over mm. um you know um so you know you you get your facts and come out on your um, heat sensitive roll of paper and sometimes you couldn't read it properly you know and then you know and then from that you do your roughs which had to be a4 to pick fit through the damn fax machine <laughs> and then, then then that goes over and sometimes it doesn't come out very well because it's going you know and then they got to send it again yeah um you know and then once you've done the artwork yeah you've got to get it delivered so you're taking the day either you know if it was out of london you would have to make sure you finished it a day earlier to get it off to the post office to send overnight well, you know, special delivery mm. to be there the next morning. Or um, if obviously London clients on the whole, you know, worked, it would be working right out to a deadline. You'd bring, to, you'd bring the clients and say, send a courier so a bike would turn up. Um, well, eventually, usually it was, <laughs> sometimes it was, you know, you'd, there's a deadline. The magazine is going to press that night, you know. So they need the artwork by, you know, four o'clock in the afternoon to get it onto a scan, a scan, 
you know, a drum roll scanner or yeah. or whatever they their Mepro house to to scan it to get get it in their um you know in their layout and then off to print and off to bed that night. But yeah. so you finish your artwork in good time. You ring the class, they send the courier, you know, and it's like midday. Yeah, you know, and you think, um, well, how long does the courier take to to, to turn up? Yeah, and then five hours later, you're Jesus. still waiting for the damn courier to turn up. <laughs> it's out of both of your hands by that point, isn't it? It's it is in the middle of limbo, and, and it's kind of like you're in the client saying, "Have you have you sent the courier?" Is he on it? And they said, "So they, then they got to chase the courier again, mm. and then um, you know eventually, and you're just stuck. You can't do anything. You can't get anywhere." <laughs> Did you have any standout disasters? Were there any that? The, the... Oh, there were. Well, you know, I mean, uh, I think there was one occasion where I'd uh, I did a job for the Observer. And it was the same, pretty much a twenty-four hour job. Mm. So you know, and obviously newspapers, it would be it was going to be in the next day's edition. So you know, I'd done the job, saw the courier. The courier turned up late. You know, something like seven o'clock at night. So handed it off to the courier, and um, you know, I got it. And that's what right, I'm going out for the evening. And I remember got a, I can't remember. I must have. This must have been. I only just got my mobile phone. So this was like nineteen ninety-nine. Yeah. And uh, the, the client rang me up and said, "Like, where's the artwork?" And I said, "Well, it, got, it went on the courier two hours ago. It should oh. be with you by now." <laughs> <laughs> and it's like coming out to nine o'clock at night, and they're just like, "We've got a hole in the newspaper, and it goes to, that section goes to print in like an hour or so," you know. <laughs> Did it get there in the end? I got there in the end. Yeah, but, you, you know, never had so. anything that completely went wrong. No, 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 they didn't disappear. That was, again, that's always another worry when you're sending stuff on Royal yeah. Mail. Oh, you know, and you're thinking like, you know, you had to send something special delivery, pay the extra insurance on it and everything, but, you know, you just wonder, it goes, and then if it never arrives at the other end, whose responsibility is it? I mean, you've got, you know, hundreds mm. of pounds worth of artwork, if not more, mm. you know, going overnight. If Royal Mail loses it, well, who's liable? Who do I... Get, who do, I can't do the job again yeah. inside the deadline. Jeez, that's some heavy pressure, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> it's it's um, for all the things that have changed, you know, couriers and all that. Yeah, I do not miss. I was going to say you can't possibly <laughs> miss that unless you're a masochist. It's um, <laughs> you know just being able to you know email your artwork over anywhere in the world is yeah. um, you know it's such a such a it's yeah flex globalisation isn't it? One of the major pluses of it. Really, I mean, so in terms of promotion, then as well, you would. Did you? I mean, do you still go and see people a lot now in person? Or I don't really these days. I don't no. make calls and say, "Hey, can I come in?" You've you sort of built a lot of good um, enough foundations to maintain. It yeah, now. I mean, you know, I think the you know, some other art directors are very busy. A lot of them will say, "Oh, you know, we'll, we'll say if you approach somebody, I'll send me some JPEGs and I'll look at your website." But, um, I still like going out and meeting people. I think it's a really yeah important part of it, and especially when you're starting out. When you you know you you can get a lot of instant reaction to like things. And I, and I met a lot of people. I mean, I used to do 120, 130, 140 meetings a year. I mean, that's a, that's a lot every two mornings a week yeah. for at least three more three meetings and each day. Yeah. Um, plus anybody else I can get in to see while I was in the building. Yeah. Um, so you know, but you, what you do get from that was instant reaction about what you're doing right and what you're doing wrong. And some people were, you know, 
uh, very helpful, very friendly, and you know, they give them good advice. Other people, you know, they flip through your book in thirty seconds, said, "Oh, very nice, thank you. I've got to get on." You know, oh yeah, and yeah, then but I, then you think oh I didn't go anywhere. And the next day they ring to give you a job. Oh, I, I, I found <laughs> that a lot. Actually. Some of the coldest ones have brought the quickest results. Honestly yeah. enough, they've, they've taken it and they've seen it. That's it registered. Then you know a lot of them are just all about business and it's not you know they don't have time for a coffee or whatever. Yeah, and, but what know. it did what it did teach me though was uh, you know was how to hone my work towards the clients more. And, yeah. you know all that's legwork, even that maybe. You know, ninety percent of it never led, ne- never led to a job. But what it did do was get my work out there, get people talking, people recommending me, yeah, um, and just learning what clients want. You yeah, know, how to and, and you know, I, mean, I, I learned so much from that sort of face to face. Even if it is the two minutes, so you you would you would cover maybe what, you know, twenty rounds of emails in two minutes of conversation. Yeah. So it's just and like I said before, you engage body language, humour. Yeah. personality uh, you know uh, and often people are an extension of their style or the other way around so actually meeting the person helps drive that exactly you know, and I've hardly made a, quite a few sort of quite per, you know, personal uh, relationships with clients because of it so um, yeah <coughs> I've got a lot of good friends now just from who have been art directors or whoever editors and things it's, it's a nice perk of our industry I think yeah. so in terms of the, the you know the uh, isometric style like what 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 was that? Was there, was there a particular inspiration for that or is that just something that you um, found? Well, I've been doing this since, working on this since my degree course. Mm. So, and I think that the first project was one I did on the Memphis Design Group in Milan. Mm. So it was the, the idea, it was all about the furniture and design of the Memphis Design Group. And my tutor said, oh, why don't you look at isometric pictures in New York mm. you know so I started looking at that and uh, and then made this cityscape painted cityscape of the Memphis design groups ceramics and furniture and um, you know as, as a cityscape in yeah. isometric but painted with big fat hogs hair brushes and acrylic with acrylic yeah. paint so that's great and um, you know and it really sort of kind of gelled from there really yeah. so and then kind of started using it a lot more and um yeah. Yeah. So, like, see now, I've been it became your thing. Yeah. So it's always kind of, I think that maybe the perspective thing, and maybe to do with thinking in three dimensions a lot through my sculpture. Which I was wondering if well, they, I so. thought there had to be a connection there. Yeah. I yeah. think so. I mean, that was. I think that the three dimensions comes. You know, I've got a you know a very strong sense of thinking in three dimensions. I think. Yeah. Um, quite a lot because you do have to visualise this sort of thing in three dimensions when you're trying to think about it a lot as well so yeah um, yeah it's very true so you know and you can't there's a lot of money riding on beyond your fee yeah oh god yeah just by the virtue of what advertises function it's high risk from start to finish so many people need that to be perfect, and we all know what happens when there's a, a large number of number of people well, yes. having their say. You know, it can go very wrong at times. Well, exactly. So you know, so you, they've got to be confident you can deliver in the advertising world. I think you know. Um, so having a you know professional, safe pair of hands who can actually deliver under pressure, because you can, you know, very easily crack if you were, you know, just yeah, let it yeah. overwhelm you. And you know, I've had those moments where you're kind of. Okay, you need to step back and take a breather. <laughs> yeah. And then say, okay, we need to talk about some an issue or we need to like we this is, you know, this brief has evolved. Mm. <laughs> we yeah. need to talk about timings because like 
is going to be, you know, we've got, you know, between the timing you have and the budget you have, yeah. are you really, are you really going to achieve what you're trying to achieve? So, yeah. um, but you know, on the whole, that doesn't happen, but um, you know, occasionally you have to have conversations. So, you know, there's more of a management element and, yeah. um, you know, and again, you know, in some ways there's a, there's a good reason for having an agent is when, you know, you're working in advertising, who can then just take that business element, managing the client, you know, yeah. um, deal with the, the contracts, the nitty gritty, mm. the, you know, dealing with formats, dealing with timing, dealing with delivery dates, dealing all, all yeah. those, all the business bits that get in the way of you sitting yes. down and drawing yeah. down stuff. Yeah. That's well. This is it. I mean, so speaking of agencies, it's always one of the things I'm asked about the most when I talk at wherever I talk universities, independent events. How long have you been represented now? And I mean, have you always had, a, had an agent? Um, I probably didn't have a rep for first. I don't know. When did I ever get a rep? Probably about two thousand and two, maybe. I definitely rep one with today, um, and that lasted for about four years, I guess. Yeah. Um, actually, it was. Sam, who now reps me, Sam um, Summerskill at Bernstein and Andreuli, he used to rep me when he was a different agent. So, um, yeah. So he was my first agent, and now yeah. he's my current yeah. agent, but two different reps. So, yeah. Um, um, so yeah, and then yeah, that relationship. Sam moved on to work for Debut Arts, and then things changed. I decided that uh, I was going to become fully independent. I wasn't obviously putting all, all my work wasn't going through them at this time anyway. And then, you know, I didn't, then I didn't get a, another rep until 2009. So, and I'd gone over to, over to New York for Icon, the illustration conference. It was taking place in New York that year. And quite with Louise, Louisa Saint-Pierre, who is, used to be worked for Central Illustration Agency over here, yeah. and then moved to America to become a director of Bernstein and Andrew Lee to run the whole illustration department okay. there. Yeah. So I, I caught up with Louisa at... Um, at Icon and just sort of a quick catch up I kind of knew her from when she was over here and then just some cheekily said oh well you know maybe you should rep me Louisa and she said oh maybe I should yeah <laughs> so, it can't be um, that simple sometimes when you like we said before with the, when the personal connections aren't there again you know? personal connections are very good just keeping up with people so um, yeah you know so you know and then she was sort of adjusting her roster at the time she said well give us a call in six months and so yeah. I sent her a new card six months time and she sent me a contract back by return post so it was <laughs> job done there we it go was, um, yeah. so yeah and also you know with America being you know for me it was kind of made sense to have American rep um, because of time zone differences because of you know you can, it's a big market I can yeah. just and I do represent myself you know I do I'm quite happy to handle jobs all over the world. Indeed, most of my work is international these days. I don't do that many jobs yeah. in the UK, I suppose. So the majority is probably international work. Yeah. Um, so I'm quite ha happy negotiating and dealing with clients, you know, around the world. Yeah. Um, but you know, I think America, you know, it's one of those markets. You're just thinking, like, uh, you know, it's just another time zone I've got to deal with, and you know, I can get inquiries, yeah. send it on to them, it's and they just, can deal it's with just it. A great luxury to have somebody on the ground, isn't it? And not not a luxury, a necessity, I suppose, if you're going to be doing a lot of work in that territory. Yeah, and I do a fair bit of work in the states, and mm. um, you know, and they yeah. they handle all the elements there, yeah. and always getting all the contract stuff. So yeah. American American contract law is slightly different yeah. than British contract law. So um, yeah, I've found that myself. Um, so you know, and also 
lucky enough that uh, Bernstein and Andrew Uli have in-house lawyers they can yeah. call on, which is... Uh, such a good perk. It's um, such a good perk. So any, any uh, less than favourable contracts are sent on to them to... Um, yeah you know, do the negotiation on. So, you know, there's benefits in that way. And, you know, they bring me some really nice jobs. And, yeah. You know, I, any jobs I get in America go straight to them. And yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's been a very good relationship. I yeah. enjoy working with them. So I think it, I think there's a lesson to be learned from your, the way you manage things in the respect. I mean, we've, I know we've talked in the past about promoting yourself and, and you, you, you're quite, you know, you work hard to promote yourself in print campaigns and you know mm. it all, you know you're quite well represented well very well represented on social media and all around um i think there's always that tendency when you're young and starting out perhaps to believe that once you've got an agent that's that and you know they'll handle everything i think i mean would you agree with me that it's absolutely essential to continue acting as if you were not represented because you know you can sell you better than they ever could in a, in, in a sense i think i think you should you know, I mean, you build a relationship with an agent and hopefully that all takes, um, you know, that will, they will bring you in a lot of stuff, they'll manage a lot of stuff for you. You may or may not be exclusive in territories with them all, but um, but I do think it's valuable to keep your own connections, to be promoting yourself yeah. as well, because, you know, the more it's out there, the better, really. Yeah. Um, so, you know, so I mean, I do a huge amount of promotion, as you know. Mm. So a lot of it being seen online, which is probably most people's port of call, first port of call these days. Yeah. Um, but then also the, I do a lot of print promotion. So and I think is really, really still very valuable, especially when emails you get, you open up your Mac in the morning, <laughs> you get you get a hundred emails come through, you delete ninety percent of them without looking yeah. at them. So yeah, I, on on that basis, I would say it's. A- more important uh, certainly than it has been for the last few years I mean though you know I think so I think now it stands out more because less people are doing it more people are becoming reliant upon digital well if you think that you know if you do an email campaign you can track the opens and stuff um, I've just done one recently and you know it was about seven fifteen percent seventeen percent opens mm. for the email yeah so whereas I know if I send a an envelope, I get a hundred percent open. If as long as the contact hasn't moved from the company, yeah, um, you know. So if I, I know that somebody will open that email, that envelope, and look yeah. at my promo book, and that shows so, a number of things, doesn't it? From the effort put in, the the fact that you've taken the care to to go directly to them, one person, you know, that you know. So that's a nice compliment to them, but also it shows professionalism in the fact that you've handled and carried out the whole print brochure and, and put yeah. you know it looks it just looks the business but I've, you know I, be- I believe in doing quality print promotion i mean there's no point doing cheap print promotion no. there's, there's no point doing yeah i have to say crappy vista print cards <laughs> um you yeah. know low quality print on low quality paper stock you know and expect to you know expect to catch a big yeah. fish and you need when I catch a big fish, you need good bait. Yeah. So, um, oh, it's very true. I mean, I did the number of jobs I've done, I guess it goes for all print jobs. I do, you know, the amount of jobs I've done that I thought were really strong album covers, for example, and then you see the band's gone and printed it on a, on a, <laughs> an inkjet in their bedroom when you go, oh, fuck, what have you done? <laughs> you know, I know. It's awful. And it, and it makes my work look really bad when it was pretty good to begin yeah, with. Yeah. You know? So, so yeah. I mean, so every, Every 18 months, I do a 28-page promo book, yeah. um, which is printed, you know, high-quality 
and that goes out to 3,000 clients worldwide. And it takes mm. me about 18 months to get them all out usually. I usually, I'm going to get them all out in six months and it never happens. <laughs> um, yeah. <coughs> excuse me. Um, so, you know, so you try, you have to get, you know, it, I mean, it, it says something about intent and it says something about your belief in your work. Yeah. And, you know, but it is a big expense. I mean, you know, it costs yeah. me 1,500 quid to get the book, 3,000 books printed. It'll cost me best part of four or five grand to do in postage to do that over for over 18 months yeah to send it out internationally if you're sending out internationally at you know to outside of europe that's like you know yeah. and you won't be there inside 60 days um it's two pound 25 an envelope and that's a lot of you know yeah that's a lot of postage that's, it is and there's no getting away from that sometimes but you know it's one job and pay for it all so yes. um well that's more. it is it? I think it's that cycle of having to scratch and claw for those first things that will bring a little money in, and then it's being wise enough to invest, reinvest some of that. Well, back. yeah, I would never recommend somebody. Hey, I'm going to go out and just start a college, or just in the first few years of community, just go out and spend a lot of money. I yeah. always budget. Yes. So that's the time to be shrewd, isn't it? We'll budget ten percent of your turnover towards promotion every year. So yeah. you know, if you turn over twenty grand, spend two grand yeah. on promotion. It's all tax deductible, so um, that's you know, it. And you know, you're you're helping make your own chances. So yeah. and, you know, and then if you turn over thirty grand, send three grand, forty grand, four grand a year, and then you put it into you know across different yeah. platforms and that's different it. approaches, you know, and and hopefully you know you, it'll all start bringing in the work. But I know, think so. You just yeah. build it up gradually. Yeah. So it comes to a point where you you know spending ten percent is probably too much, but um, yeah, maybe, but um, you know, but especially we're trying to build. Yeah, well, it just promotes growth, doesn't it? I've just written a column that I'm about to send later on to the design week. Well, I do a monthly one now, and that's on investment. You know, just highlight a few nice cases where it's calculated risk, but yeah, you know, speculative like it's absolutely essential to, to grow. You know, when I brought the book out, I didn't have to go and do it, but I commissioned a, fil- a friend who's starting out in filmmaking to do a three minute, three, you know, video teaser promo. I thought it was it was above and beyond what the what the publisher was providing, but it's back to the conversation mm-hmm. we had about the agents where you do your own thing and you can look after yourself. And actually, I, later, I would later find out that I got a deal in Japan for the book, and it was the video that pushed it over the line. They they really liked the mm-hmm. fact that I'd gone and done that and produced this nice, you know, they they took it much more seriously because of it, and it just goes to show when it can pay off, you know. Sometimes. Oh, indeed. Um, but the yeah, I mean, the other thing about doing, you know. Great promote, great print promotion, just really targeting clients. Yes, is the fact there's like you want quality inquiries. I mean, not. A, I was thinking that there's the thing is you want the quality inquiries, so you get the, the really good jobs to work with clients. Yeah. And I think that's and you can be selective about what you take on a bit more because and it's not all about money. I mean, you know, I will take on, you know, jobs which just really interest me. You know, yeah. and you think you know they're not paying me very much, but they are. That's a great brief. That's Absolutely, a great client. Yeah. I've got to work with them. I know? think that's where compromise comes in, doesn't it? And, and as long as it's you know um, not the old working for free or a ridiculous fee, then I think I think it's they're the factors that, that where you should compromise perhaps sometimes to get yeah. that job, which will help you evolve and exactly. reach the next step, or just enjoy it. Just something well, you're going to love spending time on. You need know? to have some fun occasionally with it as well. So uh, yeah, well, <laughs> yeah. it should all be fun mostly. <laughs> yeah. but, um, yeah, this is it, and I think it. I think it helps. Have you ever? I mean, do you still get queries for free or ridiculously paid work? Yes, 
Yeah. I don't think that ever goes away. No, I don't think but, it does. No. I mean, there's ways of approaching that. I mean, you could say, oh, never work for free. And pretty much in 99% of cases, you shouldn't do that. Because most people are just, you know, if, and there's a few rules of thumb. You sort of like, you know, the fact yeah. that like, if the art director's being paid, you should be paid. Yes. You know, so, I mean, if it's a personal project, if it's something like for an exhibition. Yeah, group or exhibition, charity you know, sort of, or... Um, or even charities. I do work for charities but I'm paid by them so yeah. because I'm doing providing them a service to do something they need to do I mean I yeah. work for I've done recently done some work for um, Macmillan Cancer Care and mm. um, Parkinson's UK um, but these are all to do with their support yeah. networks helping people sufferers and families um, you know very and there's quite intensive difficult subjects and you know, I get paid. I, you know, I get paid to do those. I mean, you know, mm. reasonable pay to do those. But I also feel this your help doing something of value, absolutely, um, yeah. as well. So, um, you know, and I have done probably one real free job. Except I wouldn't say it was free. It's pro bono, which I see as something completely different. You're don pro bono. You're donating your services, donating your time. Yeah, and. Um, I did a campaign for AIDS. AIDS is the um, French not-for-profit HIV awareness mm. um, group a few years ago. And, you know, it's one of those projects where, like, you want me to draw what? <laughs> and, yeah. and they were saying, like, yeah, it's pro bono, but the ad agency are working for free. Everyone involved is working for free. Yeah. You know, we're pro bono. And... And, and that's, I think there's, there, that's a difference. And at the end of it, we, um, obviously, Bern, it was in America, so Bernstein and Andrew Lee managed the job. Um, so, but at the end of it, we gave them what it would have cost. So yeah. then, so I mean, that's a very good thing to do. So if you're doing something pro bono, it's actually, this is the value of what we are donating in our time yes. Yes. and finances. Mm-hmm. And that's a big distinction between working free and working pro bono. Yeah. So, you know, I think that's, you know, it's a valuable thing to remember. So, yeah. um, so like I said, like, see, if you do work for these people, it's kind of, you know, in, in those respects, it's kind of, yes, this is the value of what I am yeah. donating to your cause. Yes. It is five grand. It is 10 grand. Yeah. You know, it is 150 hours work. You know, so they need to know that there's a value attached to this because otherwise, I think it's important to always remind people of that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's my time and it's my living that I'm donating here. Yeah. So, you know, so whereas obviously people say, "Oh, can you do something for free?" and it's kind of like, "Well, no." Yeah. Um, you know, and they did go out of their way to entice me to do it as well. You know, they made me mm-hmm. feel like they really needed me for this. Yeah. And, you know, and it was a great, and it, it's a very great cause as well. So, mm-hmm. you know, it, they took a bit of persuasion in the fact that, like, I was just finishing the Stig book and I was really tired. Yeah. Um, you know, so, you know <laughs> this is like the greatest brief ever, but I'm also, I want to sleep for a month right now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've just worked six months solid and <laughs> I am tired. But, um, How was that process working on the Wes Stig book? So you've done a lot of stuff for Top Gear, right? Um, yeah, I mean, obviously I've done the free books. I think, um, I'm not sure what will happen with the new show. So, uh, we will wait and see, yeah. um, whether I do a, a work them again on another book, I will, you know, mm. that's entirely up to them, I guess. Yeah. Um, but, um, you know, they've been very successful, you know, again, that was another one of 
you know, building a relationship with a client because I'd worked with Charlie Turner on Top Gear magazine for, you know, on and off for before that and then, you know, used me on a you know, a few few jobs here and there and then I just reminded him I existed when I sent him one of my uh, cards at the time because mm. um, I hadn't used me for about a year and then he asked me he said oh right we're doing the big book of Top Gear which is like Top Gear annual for grown ups and he just wanted me to create the Top Gear studio um, yeah. so I did that and then got talking and he said like oh we really wanted to turn this into a whole book so we got talking about that and then they went and we went away and sort of scoped out how it could be done how much it would cost yeah. how much work would be involved um, you know and it sort of evolved from there really so it's another good mm. one about you know it's another good case of build a relationship with a client and you know keep informing yeah. them that you exist yeah and the nice thing about that certainly in my own experience is that you do find yourself in that position where you could just go for a beer at the pub and, and an idea will come out of that conversation yeah. and you're, you're in a nice position where you can pitch that to the people who have the power to make it happen so what a wonderful place to be to go oh I thought about doing this what do you reckon and someone goes oh actually yeah, you know, let me let me talk to someone and that's a you know I love that I, I have that kind of thing I had that with you know with a few clients that I you know dreamt working for them. Yeah. It's, it's just it's nice and, and, and then people listen to you and take you seriously every time that's the glory yeah, of those relationships yeah. it's um, but yeah I mean it was uh, you know it was in fact I hadn't worked with him on the magazine if I hadn't sent him a card to remind him to give yeah. me some more work he hadn't asked yeah. me to do something for the big book of top gear yeah. and then going like that's so great we need to turn this into a book yeah. and then from that one piece create came then yeah. convincing everyone in the chain that we need to make this into a book yeah so um yeah on its own that speaking of books that would be a good book wouldn't it to grab x amount of um creative practitioners and go and get them to name their if i hadn't done that job job yeah. <laughs> maybe know? it's a sequel to your own book yeah and <laughs> tell the story of then what that led to and yeah you know how, how you know i think it's interesting it's good to it's good to build that yeah so so I mean, you do quite a bit around your illustration. You were chair of the chair of the Association yeah. of Illustrators. Yeah. Um, but I was a director for nine years. Yeah. I was deputy chair for four and a half of that, and then chairman for just under three years. And how did that role come about in the first place? Um, well, a fr um, friend of mine, Alison Lang, another illustrator, was on the board, uh, or the council of management, as it was at the time. Mm. Um, and she wanted some fresh, you know, help get some fresh blood on the, you know, the, the, the board. So this would have been when the association was shared, uh, was renting a bit of the office of the association photographers. Mm. And uh, so from there, I kind of, you know, I, I, I never dreamt I would end up being chairman. You know, I mean, it's just kind yeah. of like, I thought I could help. I mean, you know, she she wanted me to come on board because we knew each other quite, you know, knew each other pretty well and were. You know, she thought I, we would had similar thinking and how we could yeah. help the association, I guess. And I guess she knew you were passionate about the industry. Yeah. yeah. So you know. So anyway, so we, you know, came on and came on as a, a direct a um, council member, and then obviously then you know it was kind of a the AOI's had some ups and downs in the past. I mean, I think the recession of the eighties nearly killed it, mm. and um, thanks to the help of some of the patrons, you know, I think 
helped help keep it afloat for a while and then yeah. he had to had his own offices and then had to go to some dingy little office in Brixton for a while yeah. um, and then and then they moved to be with the AOP um, for a few years um, but then they were you know so it's always you know yeah. it's always survived yeah. and you know and it's integral to our industry so yeah so for, I mean, for um, those that don't know it's they how would you sum them up I struggle to put it in a nutshell but it, they Oh, there's a trade association for, you know, for the illustration industry. So they're there obviously campaigning for illustrators' rights, yeah. dealing with, uh, they're there to support illustrators in all aspects of their business, including copyright, ethics, pricing, yeah. um, you know, all, all, the, all aspects that help support an illustrator, you know, growing mm. their careers and beyond. Yeah. So um, and you don't have to be a member to to get that advice, uh, or you, you yeah. Have I mean, you need to be a are. member. So you need to be a member. It's about thirteen pounds a month, which yeah. is around in the pub, yeah. <laughs> pretty much these days. Yeah. For for un, you know unlimited professional advice when you need it at the yeah. end of a end of a phone or email. Yeah. So which, as we all know, is essential, especially for those who don't have representation enough. Those perks, well, you know, exactly. you can feel very isolated uh, at the best of times, you know, especially if you're working at home or in your own studio. Yeah. But certainly in cases where you don't know where to start, perhaps yeah. pricing a job or, you'd like to say, you know, robust contracts. Um, well, well, all those aspects, you know, if you don't know how to, if you get a contract and you don't have a clue what it is, send it yeah. to the AOI, they'll tell you, Yeah. these are the things you need to negotiate on. Yeah. Know, so... Um, but, you know, I thought I could help. So, you know, I joined the board and, you know, and then knew things that this, it started to grow again. We knew we, you know, it needed, it needed to change. It needed to evolve, move, move with the times. And so, you know, you know we got some more board, new board members. We decided to reform the structure of the association to, mm. um, because it's getting to the point where, you know, you needed, it's getting to, again, the size again where the old structure really was inadequate structure so we reformed it we turned it in we, so we came from the old council of management we created a board of directors of the company yeah. um, and appointed our first ever managing director uh, Ramon Blomfield um, you know who then took who then obviously then took the day to day running the association we became overarching strategy governance and out reach as a board um, you know and then that, you know, it just it kept being grown from there. And then, um, and then the following managing director, Henku, um, then one of his first, uh, one of his first wishes was that the AOI moved from Curtain Road, at the old Big Orange Studios, um, to move to a new office which is a bit more fitting of the stat the growing stature of the association mm. so he came up with Somerset House which they are now based at now and yeah. that was pretty much my last uh, decision as chairman was to direct the board to move to Somerset House nice <laughs> <laughs> and the next one after that was who's going to be chairman because I had, I had I'd done my nine years on the board and I had to yeah. Uh, yeah. I had to step down so um, so yeah so now they're, now they're in Somerset House and you know something like 2,000 members now mm. so it's over doubled the membership in 12 years yeah. and um, you know stronger than ever the, the, uh, the World Illustration Awards takes That's place right, in yeah. Somerset House the terrace galleries yeah, terrace rooms it's lovely last every year, year. Yeah, really I mean, good show. you know they've gone from strength to strength in the last four years since mm. I uh, 
step down. So, um, you know, it's amazing to see it doing so well. And they really are making big inroads. They really made some big, uh, you know, on the campaigning front, they really made some big inroads in, into helping protect the illustrator's rights in yeah. the last few years. Um, you know, invaluable, really, quite frankly. Yeah. I mean, I'm still a member. I still occasionally send them, despite, ha you know, even though I have an agent, you know, I still have contracts and stuff. I sent one through the other day. It was something I just had to clarify. So, yeah. I, you know, because I wasn't entirely sure, but it was, you yeah. know, something you, was just you like, is this really, me this mean exactly what I think it means? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which is pretty much, I was right, but it was just yeah. one of those You've got things. to check though, because a whole contract can turn on one word. Yeah. Uh, you know, replacing, uh, I can't think of an example off the top of my head, but you know, replace one word in a sentence and the yeah. whole dynamic of the contract can oh, and, turn on you its know, head. The AUI is, you know, it, um, you know, it depends on its staff, and then, you know, they have some great staff. And in Derek Brazel, you know, they've got one of the, you know, leading uh, experts on rights and copyright mm. in this country. Um, he really does know his stuff. Yeah. Um, so you know, and, and then we've got, uh, you know, the, the dedicated membership department. Yeah. Who deals with you know who deal with Lou Bones at the moment? I think it's Lou Bones. Mm. Um, so. Um, you know, so you know, those people are there to help you every day. So um, when yeah. you need it, it's part of your as you part of your business. Well, absolutely. You know, it's just important to check these things for not on your own sake, but the good of the industry too. Because as well, we've said in the past, you know, where you can't let cowboys uh, win the day because it starts to bleed. Beyond. Well, completely. I mean, you know, I mean, it's there are a few sharks out there who will prey on the people who don't know it's exactly where they stand so mm. you know and it's important to have a, a bottom you know to not you know a race to the bottom to people yeah. to know what's acceptable and what isn't you know yeah um you know and i've had you know many occasions where like you know you just know clients are trying to some clients have tried lowballing you and play you yeah. off against other people because they know well such and such to do it for that and so well i'm not such and such so yeah as uh, as was I forget I can't remember if it was yourself who'd said it on the video you sent me the discussion about agents but someone said no is a powerful word and I found that quite a, it is a, a strong word. statement because it's so true you know and um, you don't like you say you don't lose okay it's, it's always a little good thing when you get the carrot dangled especially when you're starting out and every job matters no matter how small paid but Though, you know, you have to think about what happens in five years' time when there are, if there are no well-paid jobs because well, too many people have, have bowed down. Yeah, know. so, yeah, I mean, it's very important to, you know, adhere to those minimum standards. And if you're not sure, go to get professional advice because it will, you know, it's not just today, it's tomorrow, you know. Yeah. And, you know, and if you work with a client on bad terms, you've set a precedent, you, they, you will continue to work on that client with, to bad terms. Yeah. So yeah, once um, you've established it, it's not changing. No. Exactly. Yeah. So you have to be really, um, really careful on that side of stuff. Did you see? Uh, did you see the video that? Um, what the agency called? I've got it written down here. Uh, Zach, the Canadian agency, did the video um, drawing parallels between working for free and other industries and how it's it's really good. It's about a two minute video and, and basically they've sent a guy an actor undercover to go into like a coffee shop, for example. Oh, I think I saw that. Yeah. Yeah. So I asked, "Well, I'm not going to try all your coffees. I don't want to pay for one. And if I like it, I'll come back and repeat business." And you know, they look at him like he's insane. You know, and they get like, laughed out of the building, kind of stuff. And it really does make make you think. Wow, you know, that it's so silly that we 
even consider doing that in our industry well now. yes i mean you know Charlie's saying to a builder i'll be great for your portfolio yeah <laughs> yeah imagine uh, i think they'll probably deck you then, yeah that's probably true yeah <laughs> oh god uh, so what's what's coming up for you in in, uh, in the future? Have you got um, well, the next, up? I mean, apart from illustration work at the moment, um, I mean, I'll be working with Widener Kennedy again at the moment on a continuation of the car campaign out there. Mm. Um, but the next big thing coming up would be Icon, the illustration conference in yeah. Austin, Texas, in July, because I'm the chair of PR and media relations. So yeah. um, um, this is my second. Uh, second conference as a director and mm. we'll be on our last one because yeah. we're only allowed to do two conferences as a director of ICOM um, so yeah so that's that's happening in just over three months yeah. so that's getting close yeah still a lot to and, work uh, to do and what's what well I've not been to any of them myself is it what goes on at the conferences um, well it's a four, four days of conference so there are obviously main stage speakers there's over 50 main stage speakers, you know, this year we've got people like um, uh, Carl T. Webster, Jessica Hish, Julia Rothman, um, who else, off the top of my head, you'll put me on the spot, Sean <laughs> <laughs> Qualds, um, and then, oh no, so that's some of the many speakers, and then also uh, the first two days we have workshops, so again, Jessica Hish will be doing a typography workshop, lettering workshop, then you've got... Uh, you know, so it's various workshops on all different subjects, mm-hmm. working with some of our really big industry names, um, and then alongside that, for the first two days, is a international education symposium as well on the main, which will be happening on the main stage. So you've got educators from all around the world coming to present papers, yeah. um, as well. So it's four packed days, um, and then obviously on the opening night, we also have the roadshow, maker, and portfolio show which happened, happened at uh, Brazos Hall, which is just down the road from Austin Hilson. Again, so there's going to be about 60 or 70 illustrators, makers, who will be showing their wares and you know their portfolios um, as part of the opening night cocktail party nice. as well. Yeah. So I mean, it was a big event. The last one, the, the, this format for the roadshows, we did it first last year in Portland for Icon 8. And um, it was a huge success, absolutely round to the walls with people. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it's a great event and it's something that's, you know, it makes it more than just a conference. So, yeah, yeah, absolutely, but, you know, yeah. It's all been... A festival. It feels like a festival, It is, yeah. it is in many respects. Um, so, but it's a big, you know, meeting of minds and people, obviously, Australia's all over the world. Yeah. Come, come to it. I mean, predominantly North America and, uh, you know, Canada and America, mm. some South America. There's a lot of Europeans come over as well. Some, some, some Australians, a few from. Uh, yeah, there's, there's all sorts, you know, all sorts from various countries. Yeah. Got um, the Danish cartoonist group. Some of them are coming over as well. So, um, uh, yeah, so it's a real big international meeting of minds, really. So, yeah. Um, Sounds exciting. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's you know again, it's one of those things where, you know, I got, again, I got involved because I thought I could help. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I've got a lot of experience in, you know, areas outside of illustration, with, you know, with the AOI and mm-hmm. business management and uh, strategy and, um, and obviously the self-promotion aspect, you know, digital media, yeah. um, the social media aspect. So, you know, it's something I could do, I thought, do, do and help and help them 
progress it because uh, you know yeah. we need to you know take it up to the next level. Mm. It does seem to be going in that direction as well. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's a good thing to get involved with. You know, it's um, it's a lot of work. You know, all unpaid, of course. So, uh, <laughs> which is good. You know, you're donating your time to do something. Yeah, you believe in for your industry. Absolutely, so. it strengthens it for everyone. Then you know, um, you know, another way. And you know, you're working with a lot of great people. So. Um, uh, you know, it's uh, Mark Heflin, who's the conference director. Obviously, he's uh, he works with for American Illustration, the annual as well. So you know, he he works very hard mm. bringing everything together. He's the gel, the glue that really keeps everything together, and you yeah, know, it makes it all work. So, but you know, you're working with such a lot of great people on the on the board as well, like James Yang and Mark Kaufman and Adam Smith and uh, Linda Beck, Esther Watson. So, you know, you've got a lot of very, very competent, big names in the industry, mm. um, you know, all pushed, pulling towards the same goal, which yeah. is putting on a great show. Yeah. Um, and as we said before, these things, you know, these things are the places where great client relationships start, so they're just good to be around at these places. Well, this will be, what is this, the fifth one I've been to? Yeah, this is the fifth icon I've been to, and, you know, for helping me understand the American market has been invaluable. Going mm. and meeting American illustrators, you know, getting, you know, people's experiences, you know, making a lot of icon friends. Yeah. So, um, you know, it, it is, you know, I think it's always been, it's always very important to get out of your studio, yeah. go and meet people. And, you know, even if you don't see a direct, like, hey, I'm going to get a job out of this. But what you do get out of it is knowledge and experience. And, yeah. You know, it really, you know, it's kind of, you know, it's helped me doing these things to mm-hmm. see a bigger, bigger, bigger picture, to think bigger, to think yeah. like, yes, I want to work in America more. I want to, you know, I want to, you know, I really want to expand that area and understanding it, how, how the American difference in the American market and, yeah. you know, knowing that I can, you know, I, I know, you know, I can call on people out there who I need to do yeah. things and... Invaluable, yeah. Yeah, so I think it's always very important to go to these, yeah. you know, to go to all these sort of events. The same is like you know going to um, Offset in Dublin, which is uh, yeah. next week. Um, so you know, I've done yeah, and even just the small local talks at pubs. You know, we both go down to the Yoilo meetups, yeah. and again, great great places just to meet like-minded people and develop, you know, grow that network. And well, you say exactly. You know, you can share experiences, and uh, I mean, you can't do anything in everything in isolation. No, of course. You just sit in your studio and never. It's the antithesis of why you start to do this stuff in the first place, isn't it? You know, those big open college studios with no one, people milling around, buzzing around, and it's an exciting environment to be in. I think you need to maintain that, you know, especially if you work on your own. So, well, yes, I mean, you know, and you know, if you do things in isolation, you just, you know, you you just get insular. You're gonna. Yeah. lose perspective you stagnate don't you and you start recycling yeah. the same ideas then after a while you know and you can talk through you know you find somebody who's like yes I've had that same problem yeah this is how I dealt with it or, yeah which is good or, it galvanizes people you know, yeah or you know or how do you promote yourself or just even just you know showing your work to somebody and yeah fresh eyes saying like oh yeah. have you thought about yeah. going to such and such because he might be perfect he might be perfect for your work or yeah um, you know to a few people God, yeah, friends of friends are crucial. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, it is all about, you know, about making friends and influencing people, I suppose. Yeah. It's <laughs> very much so. Expression. Um, Brilliant. Right, well, the last question I always ask guests, um, 
it's kind of on the spot question, but uh, Jack in the tank bit at the end where I asked someone to name a love and a hate, but it doesn't have to be a you know a, a damning and a and a something you love. It it can be just a very fickle thing of the moment or an all time thing, just something in, within within the art world, of course, something that you get you out of bed in the morning, for example, and something that, that gets you back up. It can be as fun or as serious as you want. Um, well, something that gets my back up is derivative work. People, yeah. you know, I think that the internet has made it vastly too easy for people to appropriate other people's yeah. work. I mean, it's it just don't do it. It's it's yes, it's easier than ever to do it. Yeah. You know, but there's also everyone just gonna say you're just copying such and such. Oh, people can you see know. it straight away. It's you know, so and it won't do you any favors. You know, yeah. be original. You know, be inspired by people, but you know, don't copy people's work. Don't. Yeah. Don't appropriate people's ideas. Try to be, you know, try to look beyond that. To say, like, you know, it's it's very important. It won't do you any favors in the long run, no. and it quite likely will damage your career. And people yeah. will ridicule you. Yeah, you know, it happens. It's the very reason I call this show Restore Mimics because we <laughs> kind of the same book there. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. And what gets me out of bed in the morning is, you know, being is work being able to do what I do really I mean to be mm. able to do work with interesting people on interesting briefs get to draw every day yeah um, you know it's you know I, I guess you know if I'm looking back on I mean 20 years this September I've been full time so yeah. um, you know looking back on that time I could have said like 20 years ago I'd be doing where I am today and as where I am today I, I would have been I'd been rather sceptical I'd yeah. have achieved that yeah. so um, that's it um, so yeah I mean it's you know it's what gets me out every day is the idea of like mm. it's doing this is drawing is is creating yeah um, you know and doing the doing the things that I love yeah and it's more than a job of course it is well, it's a lifestyle yeah. you know it, well it is you can't you can't switch off and that's you know, more often than not, is a good thing because it's just it's what you did anyway, the pleasure. So that's the it's the, the the dream, really, isn't it? I mean, yeah. I mean, you know, do we have any have any hobbies? I don't know if any of us have any hobbies. <laughs> We've all just like, what do you do? What do you do in your free time? I don't know. Yeah. I do it's, art. <laughs> yeah, free free time is often something that you just desperately need when you've burned out. But yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Are we lucky enough to have, I suppose, our interests are our life, I suppose, an integral part of our life. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's so true. <laughs> I remember getting in a taxi with two of our illustrators that I was on a night out with and uh, we'd been going for about 25 minutes on work stuff and one of them said, oh, can we, uh, can we, can we not talk about work for a little while? <laughs> I'll never forget the look of death that the other one spun around but what else are we going to talk about? He was like <laughs> utterly appalled that he even suggested that. <laughs> uh, brilliant. Uh, TV, films, Game of Thrones. Yeah. Probably, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> brilliant. Well, thanks for your time, Rob. It's thanks, been, uh, Ben. It's been a pleasure. pleasure. <laughs> what a fantastic breakdown of the illustration business from Rod Hunt. It's been really inspiring for me, actually, to, to meet Rod and become friends with him since moving down to Second Floor Studios and Arts. Um, he's always been really selfless. Whenever we've met up for coffee at the, at the local the cafe on site, he shared you know loads of pointers, giving me advice. He's a really great guy, and he really loves the industry. And I think those guys are, are so kind of refreshing to meet. And it can be difficult when, as Rod mentioned, you know you isolate yourself in a studio sometimes. 
So I think it just underlines the importance of being a part of communities and getting out there and talking about what you're doing and putting the ideas out there early. Uh, Rod's, in some sense, reminds me of my old tutor, Kevin Hauf, who was a real big influence too. And he was another guy who's completely passionate about the, the market of illustration and has been around for a lot of years doing really great work. Um, Kevin was just a wonderful university tutor to have who was the loveliest guy and could see things in your work you know given his experience that you would never see so keep an eye on what Rod's doing he is tremendous and continuing to get better and better and um, his work is truly global it's in advertising campaigns for the likes of Saatchi and Worldwide and you know his of course his body of work the Top Gear the Where's Stig stuff was tremendous and it's just really good to see someone right at the top of his game and you know hitting it on all fronts so thanks again to rod for joining us on the show uh brilliant stuff rod of course is going to be a part of the icon conference in the states as he mentioned later this year in austin texas uh i believe he said in july so if you get the chance you know you really should check that out so go and go and go and do that go and look up what they're up to um more and more brilliant episodes coming up. Graphic design legend Adrian Shaughnessy. We've got a student special. I was kindly invited up to the University of Westminster Illustration and Visual Communications degree show the other week. And it is friggin' brilliant. Like the the body of work is great and it's it, it kind of scares but also inspires you to stay on your toes because the the new wave of creatives coming out of there are, are really, really powerful. So um you're gonna be hearing from Naomi Kratz and Caroline who I'm not going to pronounce her surname. She'll pronounce that for you. It's, it's a really cool Norwegian surname and I'm rubbish at pronouncing it. So I'm not going to embarrass myself. Um, but I will stick it um, down on the show when we get around to doing that. So we're going to be doing a student and recent graduate special where Naomi and Caroline join me to talk about their, their thoughts going into the industry, graduating and ending three years in higher education. Um, I'm going to be talking to many more other students, hopefully down at DNAD, New Blood and New Designers, to bring you a nice insight to what's going on in the minds of those people coming out into the industry next. Uh, I also plan to talk to a few graduates about, you know, recently who've recently been into the industry about their initial experiences. So hopefully we can create and paint a nice picture there of what it's all about for someone uh, about to follow suit and do just that. I'm sure there'll be a large audience for that one. So thanks again for our kind sponsors on the show. Founding sponsor, Illustration Limited. Uh, Heart Internet with the tech and SEO tips every issue. And now Printed.com bringing us print stories about cool campaigns and good uses of printed material. So it's all relevant stuff. I'm trying to create a real broad panorama of useful sponsors and not sell our soul. So I hope you agree that that's the case. Thanks again for listening, guys. Uh, Excited about bringing you next week's show. Looking forward to seeing you then. Cheers.